Anyway, so turn to Judges chapter 4. We're going to look at um, one story. Um, we're really on our third um, cycle, if you would, uh, coming into our, you know, um, we've already had three judges. Remember, uh, what's, what's the better word that we could think of judges? They're heroes, right, or deliverers. Um, is another way. These are guys that God raises up and does miraculous. The people like us, don't ever forget that. People in the Bible, people like us. People that had temptations to do this, that had stuff in their past. I mean, God uses people, um, uh, you know, because of, in spite of all that, He loves us. We become His children. He wants to use us. Let's face it, you know, um, when we ask Jesus to come in our heart and receive him as Lord and Savior, we belong to him. And, and, and he's his children. Now, those of us that have children can kind of get that. I mean, our children do dumb things. They forget this. You have to repeat things a million times. But then you love them and you want to continue to have them, you know, do great things and help them out and all those things. And you love them. And how much more our perfect Heavenly Father? I mean, it's hard to compare that kind of fathering to our, our Heavenly Father. He wants to do things in our lives. And let's, let's remember, don't, don't, let's not forget that. They were people like us that were filled with God's Spirit and used in mighty ways. And so we're going to look at Judges chapter 4, and let's go before the Lord uh, once more. Father, we ask again that you might move as we come to your word tonight, Lord, that you might speak to our hearts, Lord, and as you're so faithful to do, Lord, give us ears to hear eyes to see, Lord, and a heart that desires to do your will, Lord. Fill us tonight as you move by your spirit, Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're, we've already talked about three heroes, and then chapter one again, uh, I'm sorry, verse one of chapter four, uh, we, we hit that cycle again, and it says, when Ehud was dead, the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. So remember the whole book of Judges is all these cycles, and I'll put that little cycle chart up here again, and you can look. This is pretty much what they did is they, they, they stopped serving the Lord, they did evil, they turned away from God, they followed their own desires, and, and then, you know, eventually those, they were defeated by those enemies. They were enslaved by them, they served their other gods, and then that, when it got so miserable, they would cry out to God, they would turn to Him, He would send them a judge or a deliverer, and... And, and, and do great things. But it, once that deliverer or that hero or that judge died, as we read in verse 1, when Ehud was dead, remember he was the guy that took the knife into the real fat guy and closed up over him. So when he died, you know, it seems like that next generation that came up, well, you know, they just started doing their own thing again. Turned away from the Lord. Oh, he saved us. We're good now. Let's just go live life and found themselves moving away from the Lord again. And then so verse 2, so the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, the king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of the army was Sisera, who dwelt in, boy, you can read that name again, $100, Har-Osheth Hag-Oyim, Hag-Oyim. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron, and for 20 years he harshly oppressed the children of Israel. So here's a little just a little map and a little grouchy picture of 
you know, the king of Hazor there is, uh, you know, Jabin. So Hazor's up there. Uh, here's Bethel when they came into the promised land. So he's in the middle, notice, the middle of the promised land, pretty much. And again, the cycle, they, they go back to the, and the Lord says, okay, if that's what you want, I'll let you have it. And again, those are usually the worst days in our lives when we just demand something of the Lord and the Lord gives us free will and we just, you know, turn to those things. And, and again, rather than, this is the problem we all face, the problem that they faced, um, is when things are not going well, it's not too hard to get to church because we, we need it. We know we need it. We know we need to hear from the Lord. We know we need to around, be around God's people. We know we need the encouragement. We know we need the prayer and, and we can pour out our hearts to each other and we should do all those things. And that's right and that's well because we're all, we all go through that. I go through that. You guys go through it. We all go through it. And so it's important that we do that. And I think we all understand that. But the difficult part for, for, for a lot of us is when things are going well and there's you know, the, there's, you know, bills are being paid and, you, you know, everybody's doing well and things aren't too much of a problem. Then we start, well, you know, I don't really know to go to church. I don't really need to read my Bible. And, you know, I can go off and do this and, you know, start, you know, find ourselves pursuing other things. Now, of course, they went to a very far degree in that, obviously, and they just walked away from the Lord and they just got involved in all sorts of stuff. And, and so eventually God said, okay, listen, if you want to do what they're doing and be a part of all that, then here it is. This is what it's like to live under that oppression and that bondage. And for 20 years, it was pretty bad. Now, again, the, the name of the general of the army, this guy was Sisera, and he had 900 chariots of iron. I can't begin. Now, this is important. The reason I'm spending a minute on that is 900 iron chariots was an incredible army. You got to think of... Uh, uh, of an iron chariot was like the the most the modern and best tank of today. I mean, they're against troops, against um, ground troops. Uh, uh, you know, they, they would just wipe them out. It wasn't even a contest. It would be it would be an amazing lopsided um, uh, you know battle because ground troops would just be wiped out by these chariots, by the horses, by the metal. You couldn't really. Knock them down because they're made out of metal, right? They're made out of iron. And so it was a great weapon of the day. And I don't think I can describe how powerful this army was with 900 chariots. The sad part is that Hazor and this whole area was defeated by Joshua. When we were going through Joshua, one of the big cities they took was Hazor. And they had wiped out the army. But now as time had gone by and they didn't finish driving out all the inhabitants and God said, you better do that or it's going to cause trouble. Somehow in that time period, this um, Canaanite king who was there before or probably one of his descendants more ac accurately, you know, was able to build this army in the promised land. Uh, again, you know, Joshua defeated and if they had only listened and, and continued to drive him out, they wouldn't have had this big problem. Does that sound kind of familiar? I mean, just think of how many issues we kind of are battling, or an issue we're kind of battling, or maybe have battled. And do you remember how small it was at the beginning? It was pretty insignificant. But as we allowed it in our life, it grew and grew and grew, and now it's like this big monster. 
you know, whether it's an emotional thing or it's a physical thing or something, um, you know, the Lord tells us, hey, you know, just deal with it when it first comes in. And, 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 and man, you won't have to face this growing problem of that later on. And um, it's so important, you know, the New Testament tells us that we keep take all thoughts captive in Christ Jesus. In other words, thoughts are going to come in. You can't, it's not a sin to think something wrong or, or have these, you know, you know, things that come into your head. That, that's not the sin. The sin is when we act it out. And the Lord says, listen, the battle's right here. If you allow it to come in, then it's only a matter of time before you, you, you act it out or do it. And so he's like, the battle's here. Take all those thoughts captive. When they come in, and they're going to come in, and you can't stop them, they come in. But what you can do is you can filter them out. You know, it's kind of like, you know, computer stuff, right? You put the spyware and you put the, you know, the computer McAfee, you know, guard there because there's spam and all kinds of bad stuff coming in and infect your computer and all this kind of stuff. And so you buy those security programs to, to, to block all that stuff <laughs> in the same kind of way. You know, that's what the Lord tells us to do. These guys didn't, and it grew into this huge problem now. And now they're facing 20 years. They did face 20 years of harsh, hard oppression. So that's kind of the background. Now we'll bring in the judge. Here come the judge, as Flip Wilson would say. Verse 4. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. So we have this woman named Deborah, and we know three things about her. She's a prophetess, she's a wife, so presumably she's a mother, and she's a judge. She is also a songwriter, as we'll find out in chapter 5, because it's a song that she wrote or co-wrote with Sisera, we'll see. So it's a pretty amazing gal. She's all of that, and yet she's judging and, and, and giving prophecy out and ruling things in the nation. And verse 5 tells us that she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel would come to her for judgment. So again, back to our little picture here. So he's ruling up here. He has uh, ruling up in Hazor, and she's down here. Okay, that's, that's her. She's down here um, judging Israel. But these guys are ruling the area, right? They're, they're in command. And again, um, this is kind of an amazing thing because remember in their day, in their time, in pretty much the whole world, I, I think I could say that pretty safely, you know, women didn't hold those kind of positions. You know, even in societies today, particularly Muslims, I'm, 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 I'm generalizing and I realize that and I realize, but generally in those Middle Eastern countries, um, you know, the woman just doesn't have the same rights as a man. Just, just think, was it last Sunday um, that they finally, Saudi Arabia finally allowed women to drive? I think it was last Sunday, wasn't it? They just get passed that law that now they can finally drive. I mean, come on, 2018, they're allowing them to drive. That was a huge deal, a huge change. And so in that culture, in that area, you know, it's still a lot like that. And yet here this woman is being used by the Lord. She's a, she's a wife, and, and I, I assume a mother, and, and yet she's doing great things for the Lord. Now, now, some people will say that, you know, that 
the Lord wanted to use a man, but none of them would step up. But the Bible doesn't tell us that. Now, that might be some truth, but, but it doesn't tell us that the Lord's using her, and we know that. Remember, she's, you know, like us, if you would. So she's judging Israel, but under their thumb. And she, you know, gives out the word of the Lord also because she's a prophetess. So this is what she does, verse 6. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of uh, Abinoam, from Kadesh of Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and deploy troops to Mount Tabor, and take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun? And against you... I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and with his uh, and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. So all of a sudden, you know, this man named uh, Barak, um, I said Sisera earlier, I meant Barak, comes to Deborah. Now, she's a prophetess. And from when you're reading this, you know, uh, verse 6, has not God, uh, the Lord God of Israel commanded, it seems like um, Barak knew that he was supposed to fight against this Canaanite army. And so as a prophet, it seems that, you know, she's just telling him, hey, remember, the Lord has told you that he wants to use you to give victory to the nation and to to you know, release them from the oppression. They had cried out to the Lord. This was just a horrific thing. And when we look at chapter 5 in a little bit, we'll, we'll, during that song, we'll see how terrible it was. Nobody could walk the streets. Um, village life ceased. In other words, the kids didn't play outside. You didn't see anybody. It was like a ghost town because it was so miserable in that day. They couldn't walk the roads. They had to you know, go through the back ways and walk through the trees or whatever to get anywhere because they couldn't go on the roads and be safe. These guys would just steal whatever you had, take you, who knows what they were doing. And it was very difficult. And, and the Lord had told uh, Barak, it seems, to go up and do that. Now, again, put yourself in his position. He had 10,000, there was 10,000 men there for those 20 years. I mean, the people just didn't appear. So those people that could have fought against them had been there for years. And there was no way that they were going to form an army to defeat the 900 chariots plus all of his other soldiers. But the Lord wanted to use him now. And he says, you know, don't be afraid. I want to use you. I'm going to deliver you. Now, again, he's facing incredible odds. I, I don't even know how to, how to describe it. It would be like taking uh, 49ers. Well, let's take the Raiders. <laughs> it's like taking the Raiders team. I, I mean, having everybody out there that's all the starters out there, right? And then taking us right here and, and getting the football team and playing against the Raiders, I mean, we would just be, well, I have to speak for myself. Maybe some of you guys are awesome. But, you, you know, we would just be probably smashed. It wouldn't even be a contest. It would be ridiculous. They would just pound us into the ground. It wouldn't even be a contest. And, and, and think of it in those terms. That's what, what Barak was up against. You know, it's impossible odds. There's just no way this could be done. There's a huge war machine 
And I got 10,000 guys, and, and as we'll see in chapter 5, they didn't have any swords. They didn't have any shields. I mean, they didn't want the Israel, Israelis, Israelites living there to attack them. So they would take every sword, every shield, every kind of instrument they could use for war. And now the Lord's telling him and has told them, it seems, to go out and fight them. Now, put yourself in his shoes. I mean, in the natural, it was certain death. So he answers this in verse 8, and he said to her, If you uh, will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. Now, a lot of people kind of hammer Barak for this and say, Hey, you know, dude, what, the Lord told you to go. You were reminded through the prophetess here, Deborah, how come you're not going? And what he says to her, and I don't hammer him so bad. I mean, I, I, I kind of get it. He said, okay, he's basically saying to Deborah, okay, the Lord told you that, and to tell me that, and I already know that, it seems. And so um, he's saying, listen, if you really believe it, then you'll come with me to that battle. In other words, you're going to put your life on the line too. Do you really believe that's from the Lord? That's what he's saying to her. So, yeah, okay, uh, I know the Lord's speaking to me, and I hear it from you, but do you believe it? And if you really believe it, then you'll go with me. Now, he still has a ton of faith to go out there, but he's still like, you know, not all the way there, right? He's still not, okay, Lord, I'm going to go, I'm going to trust you. He's, he, he says, Deborah, you need to, I want you to go with me, you know, in this impossible odds. So his faith is lacking a little bit. And so she answered and said, verse 9, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking. For the Lord will sell Sisera, that was the general of the army, into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. So, uh, you know, she's like, sure, I'll go. I know it's from the Lord. I know the Lord is leading us. But, you know, because your faith is lacking a little bit, uh, you'll get the win, but you won't get the prize. In other words, you know, for, for another person leading the army to have a general and, and take him, that would be a big honor. And Deborah says, listen, because your faith's lacking a little bit, you're, you're not going to have that honor to do that. And again, it would be a woman, which would be kind of a big blow to your ego, right? I mean, you're a guy, you're a soldier, women... Uh, anything but, generally in that day for sure, right? They, that, that was never thought to be a, a soldier in any sort of way. And, uh, and only recently do we kind of kind of recognize that even in our own country. So, um, again, um, she said a woman will get that victory. And so that would be a huge blow to the enemy's ego, but it would also be to him too. It was like he didn't get the prize. But it's not that he wouldn't get the win, it's just you know, man, your faith is, is a little lacking here, and so the prize maybe you're looking for is just not going to come your way. But that doesn't, like, oh, forget it. I'm not going to do it. You know, Lord, forget it. He's not like that. So verse 10, And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. And he went up with 10,000 men under his command, and Deborah went up with him. Now Heber, here's some little spy stories here. Now Heber the Kenite of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had separated himself from the Kenites and pinched his tent near the Timbreth tree at, at Zaan and M, which is beside Kadesh. And they reported to Sisera that Barak, the son of uh, 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 Abinon Am, 
had gone down to Mount Tabor. So Sisera gathered together all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the people who were with him from uh, Heraoseth uh, Hagoyim to the river uh, Kishon. So what's going on here is, okay, here's Mount Tabor, and here's the, that city over there, and here's the mountain. There's a picture of what it looks like, actually. And, and they're gathering those troops uh, he's gathering those troops. Here's that little river right here. Here's where he kind of hangs out, the general, and, and they kind of rule. And, you know, the Israelites are, are meeting here, as we'll see in a minute, and they're going to head out to that river. Now, again, um, the Kenites were just, um, I don't know if you ever see the Bedouins over in Israel. They live in tents. They still live in tents to this day. It's funny, you'll go to Israel and you'll see them on a donkey on a cell phone. I mean, it's kind of funny. And you'll see outside their tents, they have the big satellite dishes or the little satellite dishes now probably. You know, they're getting TV inside there, but they live in tents and they just live all over the place, you know, out, out in the open land. Well, um, I don't know how much they're descendants from those people, but that was happening in the land. Remember when Moses came in, his father-in-law, remember he, he married a, a, a gal that uh, was in the family of kind of nomads. They lived out in the desert, raised, raised animals and uh, they kind of lived in tents, and that was their whole deal. Well, these guys were doing the same thing when they came into the land, and one of them kind of went north. Most of them were in the south, and he went north. And, and then he tells um, Sisera, hey, you know, because they were had a peace treaty. They didn't bother each other. and But this guy Herbert, uh, Heber, actually, you know, goes and tells the general, hey, Israelites are getting an army together. So Sisera gets his army together. Now remember Hebar because his wife's going to play an important role in this. Uh, when we get down with we get done with it, just remember that. So they're getting their army together. They're getting their army together. They're getting ready to meet there. And then Deborah said to Barak, "Up, for this is the day which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you?" So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following. Now, again, back to our picture, he, he's on this mountain. Now, if you are a guy and, and you just have ground troops, just people, and again, you don't have swords, you don't have shields, uh, I don't know what they're using, clubs and sticks and, and I, I don't know, whatever they can make to make some kind of weapon, they're up here, and and... and which is right here, and these guys are down here in the plains. Now, if you're going to fight chariots, you want to fight them up there, right? I mean, you want to have your troops up here. You want to have the advantage, and they can't drive very well. You know, they have to go uphill and all that. But they're leaving this hill. They're going down into this valley. See the kind of hill here and the mountain right here? And that's the valley of this, you know, little, little dried-out riverbed, if you would. And, and they're going down. I just want you to picture the faith in trusting the Lord here. And, and so verse 15 says, And the Lord routed Sisera and all his, all his chariots and all his army from the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot, that means he bailed out of it, and fled on, away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as uh, Har, Oseth, he, uh, I should get that name by now, Hagaim, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword, and not a man was left. And, and so again, here's kind of a picture. They went up from Deborah. They went up to the mountain. They got uh, some men. They came down, and, and then together they went down to where this green line is to this 
battle down there. And um, there was a great victory. How? How did they have a great victory? Well, you know, we'll read about it in the next chapter, so just stay tuned. But just think, he had his 10,000 men, and because of his faith, you know, he opposed this huge army with impossible odds. And, and again, um, it took a great amount of faith for them to go there and, and stand against an army that's impossible. And God gave him a great victory, and we'll see how in, in just a little bit. I'll give you a preview. Rain. You know, the Lord sent a storm, and maybe it seems like even lightning. Now, first of all, you know what it's like. Horses, chariots in mud. You're in a metal chariot, and there's lightning. <laughs> you're like the lightning rod, and you can't move anywhere because you're stuck in the mud. I mean, it's amazing, this impossible odd, odds. And, and the Lord just sends a little storm and delivers his people. It's amazing in our life. We think this huge problem, we've got this huge thing. It's insurmountable, it's defeat. We can't do it, and, and we, you know, we forget that you know, the small things... What's huge to us, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's just so little to the Lord. And we need to remember that. These guys understood that in faith. Okay, Lord, this is where you're leading me. I'm going to trust you. And the Lord took care of him, gave him great victory. And, and here's a little story about the general, Sisera, verse 17. However, Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of, guess who? Heber, the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the house of Herber the Kenite. So, and Jabel went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me. Do not fear. So she probably recognized him. Hey, this is the wife of the guy that we're friends with that told me about this army coming. So she's out there. Come on, come on, come on. And when he turned aside to her tent, she covered him with a blanket. Then he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. Bet he was thirsty after the battle. So she opened a jug of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, Stand by at the door of the tent, and if any man comes and inquires of you and says, Is there any man here? You shall say, No. So again, her husband was the one that told Sisera the Israeli troops were fighting. Now, we don't know. It doesn't really tell us. Was he kind of just working with the Lord and, you know, getting them all worked up so that they could get down there because they were going to meet the troops, and that very well could be. Um, but what she does is she, she calls him into his tent and says, I'll take care of you, don't worry. And boy, does she. Now, he asks for some water, and she gives him milk. Now, I don't know about you when you're thirsty. I don't grab a, jag, grab a jug of milk. I grab a thing of water. This is what he wanted. Now, in those days, uh, no refrigerator. <laughs> so the milk wasn't milk like we think. You know, you go to the store, you go to Safeway, and you get some milk. It was more like a yogurty, cottage cheesy thing, and it's going to be warm. I mean, they're in a place that's hot. There's no refrigeration, and so it's kind of, you know, kind of nasty, really, in one sense. It's not satisfying. And, you know... You know, of course, milk and that milk thing does is kind of a natural thing that helps you go to sleep, right? You can't sleep, you get a glass of milk kind of a deal. But, um, you know, that's what she gives her. Um, 
I think it's a good picture of reminding us never to refresh the enemy, right? Sometimes, you know, the enemy and get those temptations and we want to entertain them and, and give them something disgusting and send it on its way, right? Whether it's a thought or a person or a thing. And that's, well, she's doing that. And we'll continue on. And then what she does as she covers him, verse 21, then Jael, uh, Herber's wife, took a, pen, a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the tent peg into his temple and it went down into the ground. So that means it went through his head. I mean, this is, Bible tells it how it is. Yeah, disgusting before you say it. I already said it. For he was fast asleep and worry and weary. So he died. And then as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to the tent and said to him, Come, I will show you the man whom you seek. And when he went into her tent, there lay Sisera dead with a tent with a peg in it. I'm sorry, with a peg in his temple. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of uh, Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. So the final victory, and there's a picture from the old days, but it gives you some idea, right? You you know, uh, the general wasn't given this victory. This woman was. And, you know, she takes... You know, and again, in those days, one of the women's job was to set up the tent. So this this gal was probably pretty handy with that sledgehammer and a pig, and and she just wipes him out. And um, the Bible tells it how it is, right? Just puts that thing to death. And and so verse chapter five, we'll go through that pretty quickly. It's just a song. Now I don't know about you, but I can remember songs that I listened to. And I don't want to date myself too bad. In the '60s, I mean, growing up as a kid, I could—I I remember a lot of those songs. And there was more songs and songs. And maybe you can think back when you were a kid. I mean, it's amazing—the uh, little uh, uh, ditties that uh, or commercial songs. Marty, you could probably think of ten or twenty of them right now, right? I mean, Marty's good at remembering those little things. And because and, why? They stick there in that file in our brain, uh, the junk file, right, of who really cares and, you know, about those things that we remember, you know, those things that aren't really important. And, um, and, and so there's just something about a song that helps us just remember. And that's exactly what Deborah and it seems like maybe Barak, they kind of sing a duet here. And they put the victory and praising the Lord into a song. And this, let's read it, because it gives us some details of the battle that we don't have in chapter 4. Then Deborah and Barak and the son of Adimon, uh, sorry, Ab, Ab, uh, you know, I said his name wrong, sang this on, uh, on this day, saying, so this is their song, when leaders lead in Israel and when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. So the first thing is, you know, they say, boy, how great it is when a person or a people willingly offer themselves to the Lord. It's such a blessing. When leaders lead and when people are willing to serve, walking in faith, it's a great thing. And can I tell you, that's the theme of this, of this song. Verse 3 says, Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes, I, even I, will sing to the Lord. 
I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Lord, you went out from Seir, you marched from the fields of Eden, the earth trembled and the heavens poured, the clouds also poured water, the mountains gushed before the Lord, this Sinai before the Lord God of Israel. And so now we're getting a little bit of a picture, I believe, of what happened, how this rain delivered them. The Lord used rain. Again, impossible to defeat 900 chariots and you had zero weapons. I mean, sticks and hoes and things you'd farm with. That was your weapons. You know, they would have torn foot soldiers apart. But God took them out to battle and, and gave them victory and they got stuck in the mud. And again, it made these chariots useless and they panicked and ran, as we'll see in verse 20 and 21. Let me just remind you of this. Never sell God short. You know, how can that happen? That's impossible. How could this work out? How can that ever happen? We need to never sell God short, that he's not capable of doing those things, that he doesn't want to do great things. You know, we need to walk in faith, not walk in worry, not walk in wonder, not walking, how am I going to figure this all out? Who can I call or how can I get these people to help? You know, whatever we do naturally. You know, some of us jump into action and we're trying to figure everything out. Some of us just shrink back and worry and, you know, everything in between when the big problem and big issue faces us. Or we can walk in faith saying, Lord, you know, you love me. I'm your child. You know, I want to do what you want me to do. You know, I I trust you're going to work it all out. And we just walk in faith. There's so much peace there. But, you know, all too often we just get so focused on it, we can't just see and just realize that, you know, what's this to you, Lord? Nothing's impossible. Verse 6, In the days of Shamgar and uh, Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted, and the travelers walked along the byways. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. So again, as I said earlier, things were so bad that people couldn't walk the streets. They couldn't do anything outside because these other guys, the Canaanites, man, if they saw you with something, hey, give it to me. Hey, uh, you know, your mind come work my farm. I don't know what they did, but people just didn't go out. They were afraid of everything, and they had to avoid everybody for 20 years. Can you imagine if we had that? We couldn't go out into our houses, and every time we go out, something could happen. We could lose our children. They could take everything we have, all those kind of things. So, you know, you're kind of walking in the alleys, right? Or maybe you're going along the slough or, you know, the Coralitas Creek or something at night trying to just, you know, get food or get stuff out or harvest your field or all those kind of things. Imagine living like that. It, it, was, tough. it was tough. They just gave themselves over to follow those things, and, and that's just the result of them. And it says here in verse 8, they chose new gods. Then there was war in the gates. So when they choose other gods, man, it just wants to enslave them. And notice it says, not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. Things got so bad when they abandoned the Lord and they became enslaved that you couldn't find a weapon in 40,000 soldiers. Again, 
That just gives you some idea of this victory just with 10,000 people against 900 chariots plus their army. You know, how can they defeat that? Well, with the Lord. And you notice in verse 9, my heart is with the rulers of Israel who offered themselves willingly with the people. Bless the Lord. Speak, you who ride on white donkeys, who sit in judges' attire, you who walk along the road, far from the noise of the archer, among the watering places, there shall be recount of the righteous acts of the Lord, the righteous acts for his villagers in Israel. Then the people of the Lord shall go down to the gates. When they serve the Lord, things are going to go well. Awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake, sing, arise. Arise, Barak, and lead your captives away, the son of Abinoam. Then the survivors came down, the people against the nobles. The Lord came down from me against the mighty. From Ephraim there were those whose roots were among Amalek. After you, Benjamin, with your peoples. From Machir, rulers came down. From Zebulun, those who bear the recruiter's staff. And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah. As Issachar, so was Barak sent in the valley under his command. Among the divisions of Reuben, there was great resolve of heart. So the song goes on to talk about, you know, there was people that came out. Now, you got to think of the 10,000 people that realize there's just, there's no victory in our numbers without swords or anything against these chariots and against this huge army. And yet they stepped out and said, yes, we trust the Lord We trust the Lord is speaking to you, Deborah. We trust the Lord is speaking to you, uh, uh, you know, our general, um, Barak. We we trust that that's going to happen. We're going to step out. And so she lists these these groups of people that came out. You know, there was the uh, there was a recruiter staff. It's like, hey, it's time to go to war. Who's going to step up? And they would come out and pass that around and go through the land and do that. And these people stepped out in faith. They were following the Lord. You know, they were willing to serve. And it could cost them a lot. But yet they were willing to trust the Lord and step out there in faith. They trusted that the Lord was leading the leaders and that he was going to lead them. And they were willing to step up and serve. But that wasn't the case with everybody. As the song goes on, verse 16. Why did you sit among the sheepfolds? To hear the pipings of the flock for the flocks? The divisions of Reuben had great searchings of heart. Gilead, another group of people, these are cities and represents groups of people. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. And why did Dan remain on ships? Asher continued at seashores and stayed by his inlets. So basically, she goes on to say, there were those who answered the call and went into battle. And there was others who just stayed home. Some of the people of Reuben didn't participate. And again, at the end of verse 16, he said, Reuben, you know, search your heart. You know, are you right doing this? Gilead, why didn't you want to get involved? Were you too busy? Or you thought others would do it? I don't have to worry about it. I know somebody's going to do it. I don't have to worry about it. Dan, well, they were on their ships. They were just kind of doing their own thing. In other words, they were at work and making money, and they didn't, didn't want to take the time to do this. 
Asher, those guys stayed at home. I don't know, maybe there was a good TV show on. Maybe they were watching a World Cup or something, <laughs> right? Can't really, you know, step up. I got, you know, got stuff going on. I can't really do that. You know, there are those you can count on and, and those you can't. And it's wonderful, isn't it, in our lives when we can count on somebody? We can trust somebody and we know they'll, they'll come through. And again, you know, we want to be those people. That's a great reputation to have. And when the Lord calls us and you know he's giving you gifts, you can't just sit on them. You've got to use them. You can't just, you know, uh, again, New Testament encourages us that we need to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Oh, yeah, we need to hear it. But when it comes in, then it brings us into action. And then when we get involved and serve and follow the Lord, then, man, great things happen. Great things happen. I, I don't know what's happening back there with all these kids. And every week, more kids are coming. And their parents are dropping off. I don't even know them. I thought I knew most of the kids. But, you know, something's going on. There's something stirring there. You know, they want to serve. They want to get in and, and, and learn something. I don't know what their, all their motives are to be there. But you know what? You know, so now these kids, what are we going to do, man? Well, Man, if you've got a heart, we've got to jump in and do it. There, there's 20-plus back there, you know, of new kids that just don't know anything of the Lord. And, man, you know, we step up and serve or whatever it might be. You know, that's just one thing. These guys did that. You don't want to be those people that just kind of hung out. No, somebody else is going to do it. I'm busy. I don't know about it. How You know, we've got to step up. It's important. And, again, we've got to... Contrast that with those who stepped up. Let's read the last part of this. And Zebulun, a people who jeopardized their lives to the point of death. Naphtali also on the heights of the battlefield. The kings came and fought, and the kings of Canaan fought uh, to Atnek in the waters of Megiddo. They took no spoil of silver. They fought from the heavens. The stars from their courses fought against Sisera. The torrent of Kishon swept them away. And you get the idea of the water coming there on the battlefield. That ancient torrent, the torrent of Kishon, O oh, my soul, march on in strength. Then the horses' hoofs pounded, and they galloped and galloping of steeds. So again, those who fought in battle, who stepped up in faith, they saw the Lord do an amazing work. Can I just tell you, when we step up and want to serve the Lord and have Him use us, we're going to find amazing blessings there. Uh, there's one thing to receive them that way, and it's another thing to see in action the Lord working in the lives, uh, working in our lives. A huge blessing found there. Verse 23, curse Meros, and the angel of the Lord cursed the inhabitants bitterly because they did not come to help, help of the Lord, to help of the Lord against the mighty. Now, it doesn't say who this group was, but man, there was something seriously wrong with them. They just did not want to set up and, 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 and help out. And so the Lord said, man, it's going to be miserable for them. And then verse 24 through 27 just talks about, you know, jail and what she did there. And she did her part in the battle by killing the general. And then finally, verse 28 through uh, 31 says this, the mother of Sisera. Now that goes back to okay, the general's mom. She's waiting at a window looking through the lattice. Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarries the clatter of his chariots? Her wisest ladies answered, yes, for herself. They are not, fi 
Are they not finding and dividing the spoil to every man a girl or two for Sisera, the plunder of dyed garments, the plunder of garments embroidered and dyed, and two pieces of dyed embroidery for the neck of the looter? And so, you know, it kind of goes back as, you know, people of Sisera are waiting for them to come home with this great plunder, but instead, you know, he laid dead at Jael's feet. And so she finishes, thus says, let, uh, thus let all your enemies perish, O Lord. Let those who love him be like the sun when it comes out in full strength. And so the land rest, had rest for 40 years. And so the ending praises of the Lord because the Lord gave them rest and a great victory. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time looking at these things, Lord, and how these people, you know, from Barak and Deborah to those 10,000 that are just never named, you know, were willing to step up. And they put their lives in the line, Lord, just in faith and trusting you. And, you know, your Holy Spirit came upon them and did great things. And, Lord, I think sometimes maybe we forget that we have access to your Holy Spirit all the time. During that time, it was kind of a rare thing for you to come upon somebody and lead them and guide them and use them in great ways. But for us, Lord, because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, well, you choose now to give it to us all the time, 24-7. And Father, may we be those people that not just hear, but we do. And we need to take in your word absolutely. It's so important. We need to be at Bible studies and at church services and read it ourselves, certainly. Lord, we need to put that into action. And Lord, we'll see you do great and wonderful things because you're a great and wonderful God. Bless your people, Father, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, you guys.